This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson, hello Charlie, we're in the same room. Same room, what a luxury. It is. You look good. (laughs) Imagine if we had nothing, if that's just how the podcast went. Like so, you look look good, that's what you went with, by the way, for a podcast. We had one second of a gap, (laughs) you panicked and went with, oh, thank you very much, honey, I appreciate that. Amy's arrived with a bottle of vinegar. <laughs> she's, she's got a giant bottle a of jug vinegar. of vinegar <laughs> in case we wee on the carpet. We some vinegar for the podcast. Well, it's what is well. that? A jar of it's kombucha. Oh, okay. So explain kombucha to me because I know people love it and I see it at the supermarket, but I'm I'm one of those people who hate stuff and and write it off until I actually. Okay, you go over. I'll explain. So Charlie's gone over to actually grab the kombucha and the couple of uh, mugs that Amy brought in for the podcast, which is very nice. And now Charlie's going to shake the kombucha. That's yeah, that's a good thing to do. But it might be a little bit fizzy, so don't shake it so much that it's going to like you know spurt in your face. And then uh, yeah, pour some in. And basically, what kombucha is, Charlie, is soft drink for hippies. <laughs> that's it is the biggest scam in the entire world that I am happy to be involved in because there is no scientific evidence that, you know, the benefits of gut health or whatever else that everybody else will convince you that kombucha is good for. Cheers. Cheers. Um, uh, are true. In fact, uh, I was talking to a doctor the other day who yeah. basically said the only people who like kombuchas, kombucha in the medical community are dentists because uh, like it, any it other sugary beverage, teeth. it rots rot your teeth and people think they're being really healthy and instead... So basically, it's just, it's made from a, so it's made from a, like, it's a tea, basically, a fermented sort of tea. And you have okay. to have, like, a mother, I believe, or a scoby, maybe, or a scaby. Right, a scaby so or orphans a scoby. aren't allowed to drink. Kombucha. No, you've got to have uh, that Darren Aronofsky film. Mother, <laughs> playing. And you've got to explain what that film is actually about before you are handed the scoby. That is how you officially uh, get the, uh, the scoby from the kombucha master. No, so you have to have a friend. Like the friendship cake. Did you ever do the friendship what? cake? No. When you were at primary school or whatever, you never did the friendship cake? No. Is that a common thing? Um, I don't know now. Is this like the nut bush thing where I'm going to find out that... Well, well, see, well, now that you're mentioning it, you don't know it. No. I don't know if the friendship cake is is a, I don't know. Anyway, it was a cake that was made from 
you had to have a bit of shared yeast or whatever. So everybody's cake had a little bit of somebody else's batter in it. That sounds wrong, doesn't this it? This is that sounds disgusting. Like, Spikaki like cake. The, the prison kitchen. Sorry. Friendship Bikaki cake. It's my friendship cake my soulmate gave me on my first night in prison. Um, so, yeah. No, so the idea was that when you're making the batter, you take a little bit of the batter. This is what I remember anyway about the friendship cake. And then you have to put that in like some Tupperware or whatever and then you give it to a friend and they take that little bit of batter home and from that batter, they make their own batter. And then... Sounds cultish. Well, it sounds like there should be a song that you sing while you make it, like friendship cake, friendship cake, hold my hand, let's watch it bake. <laughs> friendship cake, friendship cake, eat it all night, let's stay awake. <laughs> friendship cake, friendship cake, kill your parents, life she'll take. <laughs> no? That's not some like program. I mean, it could be cultish. Like it, it sounds like it's a pagan ritual or something. Now that I'm saying it out loud, it does sound very cultish, I must admit. I've never okay. heard of friendship cake. Okay, I'm While you're looking it up, I'm going to taste some of this yeah. kombucha. So okay. to my nostrils, mm. like I would be sampling a, a fine whiskey, I'm just swirling it around and it's gingery. It smells like ginger beer. Mm. From that's the Well, I think this is a ginger flavor. Right. So you get a kombucha and they flavor it with like snozberries and ginger and that, stuff like that. You know that. what? There's definitely a snozberry. <laughs> 100% like hibiscus and all that shit where you're like, oh, this must be good for me. Yeah. Hibiscus. Yeah. I've always wanted to drink a flower. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's good for me. Uh, oh, how's it taste like? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it tastes like a soft drink, yeah. but like a mild soft drink. It tastes grown up. It tastes like the kind of thing as a kid you would... You'd see it in the fridge, you'd get excited, and then you'd drink it. You'd be like, oh, that's gross. It's not sweet enough for a kid. Well, it's, it's slightly Less alcoholic. Less sweet. So oh. it has an alcoholic aspect to right. it. I don't think that when you're drinking kombucha... Like, I think Husey's sober and he drinks kombucha. I don't think there's, like, enough alcohol to, you know, make you blow 0.05 when you drive or anything right. like that. But there is a fermentation process that means that there's a tiny little bit of alcohol left in it. Okay. Okay, I've looked up friendship cake. I'm going to tell you about the friendship cake. Ramona's trying to... She looks like she's going for your, your wallet. No, I've got to be honest with you. She's <laughs> sniffing around your pocket. I think she wants your wallet. Okay. So, um, here we go. Friendship cake. Um, friendship cake recipe. Um, Origins? I re Yeah, okay. Oh, Amish friendship cake. Ah, uh, here we go. Okay. This makes more sense. Well, there we go. We might... There might be a cult. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, the soggy friendship cake. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Hey. Okay, hang on, Ramona. Ramona's uh, desperate to get into Will's lap and lick his face while he tries to read. I'm trying to learn about friendship cake, Ramona. Um, all right. A friendship cake called Herman. Here's an article from The Guardian. All right. Um, I'm, uh, okay, here we go. Um, this is by Lizzie Enfield, Enfield. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm feeling a little messianic. Jesus isn't the only one to turn one small bread product into enough to feed 5,000. I too have been busy propagating loaves, well cakes actually, Herman cakes to be precise. For anyone not initiated into the ritual of Herman cake creation... It is the culinary equivalent of a chain letter. Uh, someone presents you with a jar of yeasty mix 
and a set of instructions on when to add sugar, flour, and sift or stir it. 10 days on, that's right. There's a whole like process. I remember this now. So 10 days on, you divide the mixture into five, pass four jars onto your friends, and with the rest, bake yourself a very yeasty and sugary, but surprisingly tasty cake. Okay. Okay. So the idea is not that you give a little bit away. The idea is that you give four parts of the five away. That's your sort of chain letter. And so, how much, I mean, if you're giving away four-fifths of it, does that mean you're making a huge amount? I mean, how big are the cakes when they're done? They're I mean, like... I think you have enough left for at least a decent-sized cake. Okay. Maybe more. Right. And what? so, and so does, do the other people, when they get theirs, do they mix in their batter? Like, is it like a chain letter, a cake chain letter? Okay, it is It is like a cake chain letter. Um uh, so my introduction was through a friend of my daughter. She arrived on the doorstep one morning bearing a jam jar and a note, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay, here we go. Um, all right. The instructions that came with him tell me this is because he needs more space. Oh, okay. So yes, it starts to like um, froth. Okay. So in its the little container, the to... yeast starts the little sort of bubble, right? Yeah. And so that's uh, uh, when you have to move him to a bigger pot. So Herman is no longer just a pot of yeast. He's a living, breathing part of the family. And as soon as my daughter comes home from school, he must be moved to a more spacious home. That's a bowl to you and me. Okay, very flowery language. And he must be stirred and engaged in rather one-sided conversation. Yes, okay. Okay, so he has to... Um, so you talk to it while you stir him. You talk to it while you, while you like stir a, it. Like a plant, like you t- the way you talk to a house plant, right? Yeah. It's a living thing and you're building a relationship with this Before you cake. eat it. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't want to know. I mean, you're, you're a vegetarian. You don't have to face this problem. I often worry about eating something that was alive once. I don't want to have a conversation like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I don't want to talk to my main course before I eat it. I mean, this is a very good point that you're making. Like, as a vegetarian, should I ethically even eat a friendship cake? <laughs> this friendship cake is no friend of mine. In fact, you've implicated your close group of friends in a murder. Yeah. You are now a mass murderer and you are making other people in your sort of murder chain murderers also. Cannibal murderers. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... On day four, you add the milk, flour, and sugar. Do you talk to them as well? <laughs> I mean, where does it start? Where does it end? I, mean, I like, is milk, flour, and sugar, are they like domesticated animals to Henry or Harvey, the, the yeast creature? Herman. Herman. <laughs> Henry Harvey. <laughs> Henry Harvey, Herman. Herman. Triple H, they, they call <laughs> it. So, day four, you add the milk, flour, and sugar. No uh, information here about whether you've been speaking to them or not. I don't think... Because it says, it doesn't say one way or the other, I think you're safe to either talk to them or not talk to them. I'm, I don't think it's okay. going to affect it. So they, right, yeah. They don't rank, on the hierarchy of life forms, sugar, flour, and, 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 and what's Milk, flour, and sugar. They don't rate. No, they're no, they're no. byproducts. They're not living creatures. Exactly. All right. Um, all right. Four days of stirring and chatting later. So, okay. So now you have to chat to him and stir him for another four days. Great idea for a podcast. <laughs> Every episode, it's just me talking to a bowl of yeast. 
just making a friendship cake. We should do, a, if anybody has a little bit of Herman that they can share with Charlie and you can do like a, a, a Tofop miniseries. 15 minute podcast. <laughs> You've just had a baby. You've got nothing better to do with your time than make a friendship cake. Oh, Charlie, are you talking to your new daughter? No? No, no. <laughs> to my new son. Yeah. You, you see me out wearing my, yeah. my ergo baby instead of carrying my daughter in it. It's just a bowl of <laughs> You've got pictures of them both together. You know, proud little sister T-shirt that you I, put her in. I think I saw that guy from Tofop at a bar yeah. the other night. I'm yeah. pretty sure he was breastfeeding a bowl of yeast. <laughs> Must have been day four or day eight. <laughs> you go and get those family portraits done. You yeah, know, when you're all dressed in white. Yeah, it's just a little jar of yeasty batter. Iona, this is your brother. Herman, you love your brother. Gemma's like, I went into Iona's room. She was on the floor and there's a bowl of yeast in the cot. Well, Herman was complaining. Um, all right. So, uh, okay, what we do now, day eight, you add some uh, more flour and sugar, eggs, and now you also add cinnamon and apples. Okay, but... This is specific, but you can do whatever you want. I imagine with your yeast cake, that's I mean, what that's she's. A, that's a pretty good point. At, the, at that last, you said moment, you've made one, right? Yeah, but it was a long time. And ago. so, does any of this ring a bell? Well, the time it took is now coming back to me, and the fact that you had to, there was like a process involved in it, and the fact that you distributed it to more than one person. I mean, uh, having sense, grown up Catholic, this sounds very similar to something that would happen around Easter. Like you know, Pancake Tuesday or, or something like that. You, it, I would be interested to know what the pagan origins of this cultish uh, 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 ritual where it comes from. Well, I guess there is a little bit of like you know that sort of you know. It's spring. Jesus said, "Take this, drink this. This, this is, is my blood. My blood. You know, eat yeah. this. This is my body. Yeah, take this. This is Jesus. My that's a bowl of yeast. <laughs> this is my batter." And one of the apostles is like. <laughs> Does Jesus want us to drink a bowl of cum? Jesus is <laughs> it's always, not cum, it's yeast. Jesus always refers to the 13 apostles. And the others are like, well, I don't think Herman counts. I don't think Herman should have full apostle status. Yeah. We've been around for ages. Herman's been around for four days. St. Herman. Uh, all right, these days. Uh, Patient okay. saint of yeasty things. Um, yeah, and so then you just put it in the oven and... and and bake it. Okay, so what's not clear from that is that they pass on the yeast to their friends. But what I because you mentioned at the start that you thought everyone brings their own bit of yeast and mixes it together, isn't that what you said? Well, no, I thought I thought the idea was like this, but that it was only I I, I just thought you gave it to one other person. Okay. But this makes a lot more sense, right, which right, is right. that you give it to four other people. Okay, yeah. So yeah, one one. One friendship cake per yeah. group. It's a friendship cake. Because it doesn't cake. make sense that you'd mix, mix yeast together because then you're getting your portions all wrong. And, and Well, you still mix it. What I was mistaking was, yeah, sorry. I was I was mistaking the process of mixing milk the yeast and sugar with the milk and sugar. Right, and right, right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And so you did this at school. As Several just, times. Apropos of, was it a school initiated I mean, we lived thing? in the country. And it was before, <laughs> we had three TV channels. It was channels. before the internet. We had two TV channels. And it was before the internet. So we had to find something to do with our time. For us, it was friendship and cakes. 
I remember when I was in LA last, I went and saw um, some comedy and uh, Tom Green was one of the comedians. I know Tom Green. Um, I think a lot of people would remember Tom Green. I mean, he was... I actually know Tom Green. You actually, oh, you're yeah, actually friends I'm with like, Tom Green. Well, that probably, yeah, I'm friendly with Tom Green. I think if I ran into Tom Green, he would know who Are I Are you was friendlier we with Tom Green or a bowl of yeast? <laughs> I mean, these days, Tom Green, but I guess back in the day, probably spent more time with the bowl of yeast. He um, had a bit in his stand-up where he talked about being a kid when we were younger and that you just would be bored. That he said you would find something to look at in the park and that would be three to four hours of you looking at the thing and then going back home and like telling your, your brothers or your sisters and then they'd look at the thing and then maybe you'd come back and look at the thing the next day. Next day you'd go to school and you'd look at that thing again and you'd just stare at stuff. And it's like nowadays, like I can't even be alone with my thoughts for longer than like 15 minutes. It's the biggest challenge in the world to be bored these days. Well, I'm trying to retrain my brain. This has been part of a process I've been doing for about six months now which is trying to step away from that you know immediate attention economy sort of way of your brain working and i've been tension economy explain i've that. been well the attention economy is basically that all these modern day technological businesses are set up to constantly the way that they're rewarded through is through clicks and through viewing time right. and so they constantly are doing things triggering things in your mind and in your brain to make you look at what they are doing because they are in the business of getting you to pay attention to them. Mm. So you've got to be aware of the idea that, that that's not natural or normal. You're standing out the front of the shop where there's a spruker out the front of the restaurant Mm. and he, he keeps trying to get you into the restaurant. Yeah. Like you won't take no for an answer. That's what basically all these apps and all these social media networks and all these things are doing. And so I've been trying to find ways to just think more, like do that mm, thing, be, be that bored. kid who was bored and just let your... So a lot of the time for me, that involves doing something. So I have I went and got a massage the other day for an hour and a half, but not really because I wanted a massage, but because I knew that like for an hour and a half, I would have no... Uh, Nothing else to do but... You lie down think. the table, you say, don't actually put your hands on me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to look through this hole for the next hour and a half. Well, to be honest, like there is some advantage in what you're saying because the only time I was distracted from my thinking mm. was when, like, I'm not very good at getting massages. Mm. Uh, they hurt a lot. Yeah. I mean, I have a wonky body and there's a lot of you know, places in my body that are already sore. So, like, that, yeah, when they get those sort of places, it hurts. But... Secondly, I think that at the level you need to be massaged for it to do any good, that's beyond my general pain tolerance. Mm. Have you ever done a sensory deprivation tank? No, I, I, I've wanted to, but it's, I've done. It I've a, heard mixed reports. Yeah, it is. Uh, I had. I've only done it twice, and there's two very different experiences. The first one, it's like I, I think it felt like. I went into a very relaxed state very quickly because it, time seemed to pass really quickly. I, I think I did it for an hour or maybe 90 minutes, but it passed really quickly. But then the second time, it was much more of a struggle of my brain not being comfortable with not having anything to think about. And so it almost became like when you get way too stoned and you start fixating on something, it became a bit of that kind of feeling where I was just going round and round in circles on the same thing. I, I wasn't it didn't feel like I was opening my brain up or my brain was absorbing, you know, or, or letting out a big sigh of relief, or whatever. It just felt like he was gripping very tightly to one thought. But I can totally see, like when I meditate, 
the whole uh, objective is to be okay with being bored and the idea of, you know, your consciousness is this gigantic palette in which you take in information visually, orally, sensations in your body, all that kind of stuff. And when you start thinking negatively or getting into negative thought patterns, being aware that that is just part of your consciousness like everything else. You know, you can follow if you, one of the techniques they teach you to do is when you have a thought come up, you follow that thought to its origin, you know, really examine it and turn your attention back in on yourself. Because sometimes you'll have an anxious thought or you'll be worried about work or whatever and you'll feel like your body will react to it and it feels like, oh, this is coming from some like real place. But then when you actually follow the thought down the rabbit hole, you're like, oh no, this just popped into my head and I decided to focus on it. Just like the sound of birds, you know, outside my window just came in and left. Like it's just about being able to, because I think when I would pick up my phone and look at Twitter or Facebook or anything like that, I'm trying to outrun the examination of that thought? Oh, well, I, but I think sometimes it, it leads to the opposite, which is this idea that, well, maybe not the opposite, but something a bit different for me, which is, I'll give you a recent example. Um, there was some nonsense, some Gruen-related nonsense was happening in the last week or so. And apparently it was quite a big thing online. Right. But because I hadn't been online, I had just not seen any of it mm. and my life had gone on regardless until eventually somebody had to give me a call and say, hey, have you noticed this thing that's happening online? And then I had to become aware of it just so that I could you know, deal with whatever needed to be dealt with. But I was like, if I'd been online, I would have been living that right up until... I still would have had to do exactly yeah. the same thing as I ended up having to do. You know, We would have come to the same conclusion, but I would have spent four or five days of... Yeah, living it and worrying it and you know, worrying about something that I had absolutely no control over and I yeah. didn't need to be worrying about. And the, the idea that you can just redefine your life a little bit, I think mm. is really, really important at the moment because we're so caught up doing things. I don't think that we're spending a lot of time thinking about why we're doing things or whether the things that we're doing... Like, I find it amazing that when I was a teenager, you know, we talked about it just before, when I was a teenager, the internet wasn't around. Mm. And now the internet is all we have. Mm. Do you mean? Yeah. Like, up until the age of 20, life was pretty good mm. and the internet did not exist. And now pretty much every fucking thing that I do has something to do with the internet. Dude, I have a child. I have a child, a yeah. new life that I was partially responsible for creating in my life at the moment. And I still find myself reaching for my phone. Right. <laughs> like, it's like, well, what more do you need? <laughs> you know, like, if that's not going to hold your interest. But it is that thing of, um, it's the, like, the street hawker yelling at you all yeah. the time. And, and the truth of it is that it is, you're entering into a game you can never win. Mm. Because there's so much content and so much information out there that if you have some sort of sense of, I'll just catch up on the news or I'll just catch up on this show, you have just now entered... You've got to get to the point where you're going, I don't care if I don't catch up with yeah. news. I don't care. That's right. I mean, I was thinking about TV viewing back in the day and it's like, if you wanted to see mm. an episode of Twin Peaks, you had to... Yeah. 9.30 on Thursday, you either had to set the VCR or you had to be there to yeah. see it. And if you didn't see it, then you just you missed didn't it. See it. Yeah. And life went on. We all <laughs> continue to live. Oh, there might be a rerun. Sometimes I do reruns, yeah. like 3 a.m. You could tape it then. But, you know, this, I, I often think about when I used to work in the video store. And when my shift would finish, my favorite thing to do was just wander down an aisle and just grab 
some things that maybe I hadn't heard of or maybe I had heard of, but just, you know, just explore and look at the covers and soak in the artwork. And, oh, I've recognized that director's name. I like that last thing he did. And then over a course of a week, you know, maybe watch five or six movies and didn't have a phone to distract me. I couldn't immediately stop it and then throw on something else. Like I would stick with it. But nowadays it's like, fuck man, if the, the worst question or the worst position to be in in my house at the moment is it's after dinner and the baby's gone to bed and we want to watch something, find us something to watch. Oh. We fucking hate that responsibility because all it becomes is half an hour of scrolling through things that we don't want to watch or we think maybe we've already seen. <laughs> I mean, and it, it, it's a reversal of the mindset. Of the joy experience. You have to go through that lack of joy before you get some joy, right? Whereas like your experience of being in the video store was that you were wandering around hoping to find a hidden gem. Yeah. Whereas now it'd be the equivalent of walking through the video store going, that shit, that looks shit, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, looks totally. shit, seen it, that looks stupid. Uh, let's open the cover. Nah, that shit, yeah. your shit, <laughs> that shit. Yeah. I mean, you'd actually stick with shit, wouldn't you? Like you half an hour into movie, you're like, well... I paid for it. I might as well like stick through to the end. And it was also a novelty because what else are you going to fucking do? It's not like you can watch a film on your phone, on your laptop. The very or... fact that you were watching a movie was great. Yes. That That's was a reason to go to someone's house. Yeah. yeah. We'll watch a movie. What movie? Who cares? You had me at we'll watch a movie. The experience of watching a movie itself. And so I do think that there is something to be said about the fact that in the great thing that it is that you can genuinely, yeah, that we have this convenience and that we live in this world that we can access these things comes with, you can have every song on your, you know, phone now, you can listen to your app and you can you have every song in the world, mm. but you don't necessarily have that same attachment to Not at all. a specific album because yeah. when you had to go and find an album and then you only had that album, you would play it over and over Yeah, that's over right. Again. You knew B-sides. Yeah. Yeah, but you had also invested something in finding it in the first place. You know, like there would be albums I love that I don't know the names of any of the songs. Oh, because they come on the thing and I listen to them. But if you told me what's the name of that song, I'd be like, I do not know. And it's also the physical media, the the idea of having to pick up Mm. that thing. You know, look at the cover, look at the art. There was a ceremony. Yeah, a process. I remember my big purchase when I. I forgot my first job out of high school, washing dishes or whatever. My, my big purchase was a Big Mouth CD player. <laughs> Do you remember those? It like held 64 CDs. <laughs> and it was like, I mean, I'm, essentially that was the first iPod. I remember it was like, a, it was 800 bucks or yeah. something. And it was like a lot of money. It was like probably a couple of months of me saving to buy it. And I remember like weighing up and I was like, the thing about this purchase, Charlie, is it will last your lifetime. <laughs> There will never be any technology better than this thing that plays 64 albums. I mean, I remember when the first iPod came out and it held, what, 64 songs or something. It was something like that, yeah. anyway, wasn't it? And everyone was like, well, this is the, the peak of humanity. <laughs> we will never do anything that is better than this. Certainly music will never get better than this. Yeah, it was... We didn't get a VCR in my family till quite late. We're like, <laughs> we were the kind of family who when our friends would go away... They would lend us their VCR for the weekend. <laughs> like we would borrow people's VCRs and then we'd make a trip to the video store and get one of the Police Academy films. Generally, it was a Police Academy film or Flying Eye. But I remember my dad, when we finally got our first VCR, which was like the late 80s, and my sister showing my dad that he could record the football on one channel while watching Golden Girls on another. And my dad was just like, this is witchcraft. <laughs> How does this exist, this technology? Um, 
Well, I, I find like, do you have a DVD player? Yes. Still, you've still a got Blu-ray. One? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I don't even have one anymore. Mm. In fact, yeah. What happened to all your DVDs? I was well, they're still that. they're on Just the shelf in storage. In storage, right. yeah, but. I don't have a DVD player. Mm. Well, actually, technically I do now because I just bought a new car and it has a DVD player. <laughs> so I guess if I wanted to uh, watch a DVD... Did Exhibit sell you this car? I, hey, man, hey, Will, we know you love movies. <laughs> so we got you your car, we tricked it up, we pimped it. It's now a giant DVD player. Yeah. I, yeah. Amy thought we were going to the exhibition uh, centre and we were actually going to the Exhibit Centre. <laughs> I mean, it needs a DVD player. What else am I going to watch in the hot tub, Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but technically I now live in an age. I'm amazed that a where car would have a DVD player. That the, seems like archaic technology. I thought it'd all be like streaming or something. Yeah, but you. But it also has a DVD oh, player. Right, so right, if right. I want to like, you know, watch, watch a, a movie, watch a car. movie, I can do it in my car. <laughs> like it plays on your center console? Yeah. Okay, yeah. right. It's like the drive-in, but the screen is inside when, your car. When will you find you, you'll use that? I don't know. What long, instance? Long trips driving. No, you can't. <laughs> Do you know how fast you're going? No. I, no uh, idea. I'm into season 12 of... I was watching uh, Watchmen. <laughs> um, I recently, I, 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 on the sort of, what, the converse of this... Um, I I recently did a proper binge of a, like a five series of a, a TV show in probably two weeks mm. and uh, did enjoy that as well. What was that? Bates Motel. Oh, Have yeah. you ever watched Bates Motel? I think Motel? I watched the first few episodes, yeah. You know what? It's not like it's not like a golden age of TV show, but as a sort of episodic origin story, you know, um, where there's a lot of episodes that kind of you can just keep watching and keep enjoying. Mm. The two lead performances are amazing. Mm. Like the guy who plays Norman Bates and the the woman who plays Norma yeah, Bates. Yeah, Vera Parmigiana. Yeah, exactly. Uh, from Up in the Air. Yeah. And uh, and the good doctor. Um, oh, that's, yeah. That's the kid. He's Freddie um, Highmore. Yeah, he's Charlie Bucket. Yeah. Wasn't he the original? Wasn't he the know, Charlie? He? I think he's the Charlie Bucket in the remake of Charlie, oh. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Okay. Well, he's yeah. the good doctor also. And um, he was also in Finding Neverland, oh. little weepy-eyed boy in Finding Neverland. He he's fantastic, absolutely right. amazing. It's it's a really fun. You've seen the original Psycho, or is it one of those films where you don't need to have seen it because it's referenced so heavily that I have seen the original Psycho several times. Good but... film. I reckon it holds up. I reckon Psycho is one of those. Normally, you watch an old horror film or whatever, and you're like, ah, oh, this is going to be so crappy and stuff. But it is actually a genuinely suspenseful and unnerving film and you know the reason behind it is that Hitchcock at that stage his star was on the wane and so everything that was big at the time was these exploitation films and he made Psycho kind of as like you know I'm the master filmmaker I will make I'll show you how to make a fucking schlocker slasher film and it turns out to be his most successful and famous movie well I think what they do in the same way as what I thought was great about Watchmen even though they're very Watchmen. Different. Watchmen. 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 <laughs> Watchmen on Watchmen. Watchmen, Watchmen yeah. and women no, in Watchmen. Watch space men, <laughs> yeah. as I like to pronounce it. <laughs> um, uh, as Watchmen. Uh, is that... Isaac Watchmen. It was about... They had the essence of the characters and the story. Yes. And it feels like it could be an origin story. Like, throughout the series, you go, oh, well, this might just be the story of these characters up to 
you know, the incidents portrayed in, in the, the movie. movie. Yeah. But it kind of isn't. Right. It is, but it isn't. Like, which is great. Yeah. Because that's this, the obvious thing to yeah. do. They do a very good job like of... Like Gotham. He's going to be Batman one day. Every person you meet is going to be a villain. It's like, yeah. we get it. It does not do that. Yeah. It does a very good job of un- like giving you an understanding. In fact, I'd like to watch the movie again because with the way they painted their backstories and why they were like what they became mm. gave it a lot of depth and interest to me. So I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I actually like that. And they're fantastic actors. Like just, you know, when you're just like, like watching. Oh, and the guy who never ages from Lost. The guy uh. who looks like he's always wearing eyeshadow. Do you know that actor? He was no. also in. Um, was he a main the, the player Dark in Lost? Or one of the Batman films. Oh yeah, he always yeah. looks like he's wearing eyeliner. <laughs> yeah. I know the guy. He played like the mayor or something yeah. in yeah. the Dark. Yeah. yeah, is that not eyeliner? No, well, no, that's how his eyes are. Yeah, that's how his eyes are. He's like half man, half raccoon. Yeah, it's very beautiful eyes. He's a stunningly <laughs> attractive man. Like in Lost, he played a character that had never aged. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, and. He is a, yeah, even in this show. He, but anyway, it's, it, it, I, I, I like I mean, that's one, I often rail against like, you know, the this sort oh, of. Oh, and Rihanna's in the final series. Really? Yeah. So I got to make a joke that was like, re, 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 <laughs> Rihanna, you mean uh, the number one recording artist Nine of the last. number one singles. <laughs> Ten years. And one appearance in the Bates Motel. Um, I love about this sort of postmodern culture that people can go back to older properties. If you're going to explore the world of that, but do it like the Watchmen in a completely different way. Don't do the obvious Gotham route of everything's like annoying wink to the audience. Cause you know what this reference is, blah, blah, blah. I saw this great um, video breakdown. These guys were talking about Tron and Tron legacy. And they were sort of making fun of those films, but talking about the idea of revisiting a property that was a box office bomb and very nerdy at the time, but looking at it and going, okay, so what is this universe and how do you expand in this universe? And they're saying like the sequel actually, you know, has all, a lot of failings, but the one thing that it does really well is to take the principles of the original Tron, but then just not just repeat the story. They do something completely different with it and then explore well, what's the rest of this world like. And I do like that about, this sort of postmodern era we're in, it's like, well, what has a mythology? If you look at all these kind of existing properties, you know, like in John Wick, like what is the mythology of that League of Assassins? What is the, why do they pay in those bronze coins? Like all that kind of stuff I think is really interesting. And you can, as long as you keep exploring that and delving deeper into the kind of edges of the story, I'm more, I'm more into that than, than the fan the, service. The Han Solo version where it's like, oh my oh, you're God. here by yourself, so your name's Solo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I haven't seen this last Star Wars film, but from what I understand, yeah. it's like... It's great. Yeah. I've heard nothing but great reports and it's definitely awesome and JJ nailed it. It's pretty amazing though, thinking about where Star... You remember how everyone, we're excited everyone was in the late 90s when we heard like Star Wars is coming back, like George Lucas is coming back. I went back. to the first night, midnight screening, first night of the first prequel yeah. at Chadston Shopping Centre. Uh, with a whole bunch of uh, people that we know, and uh, we were all so excited. <laughs> and it took officially three hours for that excitement to go away forever. <laughs> but it's just amazing how, like, of all the universes that you think, wow, like, where could you go here? Like, they, they've established, like, a religion, a political system, like, a conflict. And in the course of six movies, it's just like, I couldn't... 
I can't, could not give less of a fuck anymore. Like you have just taken any interest I had 20 years ago. And because I think for our generation too, like, you know, it was an era of super, like you had like a, like a Madonna, Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, you know, there was just these monolithic cultural impact and Star Wars was like the jewel in the crown. And now it's like, oh my God. I remember being in Disneyland two years ago and I think it must have been just after the purchase because they had just started to merchandise all the Star Wars stuff and going through whatever the one or two rides they had before they set this new Galaxy's Edge or whatever and then being funneled out of those rides into the mall, that you've the gift shop before you leave and it just being wall-to-wall Star Wars figures and they're playing the fucking Emperor's theme over the speakers and kids like hitting each other with lightsabers and me being stuck in this middle of this like capitalist nightmare <laughs> and being like... I can't stand this. Like it's, it's it, that attitude I think has bled into the films. Well, I, I mean, I've, look, we, we've spoken about Star Wars many times. Let's on kick this it podcast some more. Before, but I just don't think that Star Wars is good. That's what I've come to the conclusion of. I think there are moments in the Star Wars okay, universe that are great. But, and okay. iconic moments in film. But, but if you had been given the reins, yes. you think that there are... It, what they set up in those first that's, three films... That's always worked out for the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> Give the reins to somebody who has no reverence for the original story. Well, I think that's the part of... The fans love that. I think that's part of the problem is all the directors they sack are people who come in... Yeah. Like, you know, Lord and Miller, who did 21 Jump Street and Into the Spider-Verse, which is fucking great, were directed most of the solo film before Ron Howard took over it. That's what they needed to do was like get someone in, you know, because as yeah. we've discussed, get the show, people in who go, I love this universe, but let here's but my spin. The thing that I want to do to make people love it anymore is is expand it. Yeah, but what that what the Star Wars people want is just go, no, 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 no. We more just of want the same, more of the same that people love. Well, I think the smartest thing Marvel did was get Taika in mm. because that was felt like the first director in a long time to actually buck the trend where he wasn't just making a Marvel. Man. And I know people have problems with. Ragnarok or whatever but I just thought great you know they've brought in a director who has a very distinct sense of humor and point of view and he gets to make his Marvel film just like if you're reading the comics a guest writer would come in and put their spin on it I think well, they're, if- they're looking at Taika for a Star Wars film and I look forward to you know him working on two-thirds of that and then getting replaced <laughs> by Mick G <laughs> yeah I just think that I just think that if, if they could, I mean, I have no interest. Like, I, I actually have no interest in seeing this last one. I haven't watched The Mandalorian or whatever. But I'm, I'm just amazed where, where that property was for me 20 years ago. Maybe I've just gotten older. Like, maybe I just can see through it better. I haven't watched the original trilogy in a long time. I just have a lot of affection for my memories of that original trilogy. I think that it was something special at the time. Yeah. But I don't think that it got any better. I, I mean, mean, The Last Jedi I liked. I know that, you know, I've said that before, but but it's not a great film. I just liked it compared to most of the other Star Wars films that I had seen. I mean, did you see the trailer for the new Ghostbusters? I have seen the trailer, yes. Yes. I actually found myself genuinely excited for that. Well, you hated the one with all women, you yes. said. I said women you can't said, do women comedy, can't they're not funny. Ghosts. That's, you, were, you were very adamant about the point that you said you are 100% behind equality for women. In fact, in your own relationship, you and your partner are very equal in all aspects of your life. However, when it comes the one to- thing 
that I made Gemma promise to me that she would never bust a ghost because that is man's work. If there are ghosts to be busted around the house, it is Charlie's time. And I don't want, look, even if I'm not home, Gem, you are not busting a ghost behind my back. <laughs> I felt that film, I mean, you talk about right place, right time. Like when that film came out, I was just the right age to see a film like that. Just, just scary enough for it to be kind of exciting, but not too scary to freak me out. And I remember being coming just super obsessed with everything about that. And when you see the making of, and you find out like how that film came together, like the original draft was Dan Aykroyd delivered some batshit crazy 300 page script that was Ghostbusters in space or whatever. And then he was doing a lot of cocaine. Yes. <laughs> Ivan Reitman comes along and, and he and Harold Ramis do a, a complete rewrite. And then what you get is just the planets aligning where you get the right balance of comedic actors you know, you've got the earnest Dan Aykroyd, you've got the more cerebral Harold Ramis, and then you've got Bill Murray, who's just like the star of the show, who, if you watch the film, the original one, because I did, I watched both that one and, and Ghostbusters 2 recently, and he spe- he's mocking the film. That's his character. The whole film, he just walks through just with this laconic deadpan, <laughs> oh yeah, okay, sure, I guess this is happening now. And that's what makes the film... So brilliant because you've got like Dan Aykroyd having like his earnest conversations about, you know, Thor the Destructor and blah, 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 blah. And then just cut to Bill Murray, just, you know, deadpan. And that's what makes it work. And then I think what sort of gets lost is it's a comedy film. Like that's the point of it is it's this high concept thing which balances the fantasy and the comedy really well. But on that specific dynamic, because then the second film, they try and do it again, doesn't quite work. And then the remake was like they tried to do like an ad lib Apatow style comedy, but it's a science fiction comedy. You can't have people riffing about scientific stuff if it's just not going to, it doesn't sound or make any sense. Yeah, I read your Reddit post. <laughs> <laughs> Women can't bust ghosts. Yeah. Uh, but this new one, I don't know. I, 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 I'll be interested to see what they do with it. If they can make, because it's not a very funny trailer. Like it just looks like a Goonie, more of a Goonies movie than, um, you know, like a comedy. But, but I believe the, the original cast members are, are going to appear in it. Or some of the well, original Well, not Harold Ramis. Well, who knows these days? Yeah, I guess so. I mean. But don't do that. That's what Star Wars but, did. But Making creepy CGI Uncanny Valley people like Princess yeah. Leia and stuff. Don't do that. I mean, it'd be great, though, if they did it with... Because with Princess Leia, they did some with, like, you know, other footage that they shot for other films that they didn't yes. use and stuff. It'd be great if they did it like that for Harold Ramis. So they just found other scenes from other films that Harold Ramis had been in that they just hadn't shot a piece. Well, I guess it depends when Egon died because they could get away with Egon died actually 20 years ago. So you could get some footage of Harold Ramis from when he was still acting okay. from 20 years ago. Yeah. Because if he's a ghost, I'm assuming in ghost lore... You look the age you died? Sure. I why mean, not? guys don't get old, do they? <laughs> I mean, that is the funny. It's like if you're. Well, Casper famously is a young ghost, isn't he? Like, yeah. There, you're the you age. You don't think of ghosts aging. So I assume you that you stay the age that you were when you died. When you died. And do you stay wearing the same clothes? Was Casper wearing a sheet? Casper was nude. But Casper was sheet-like. He wasn't nude like a tiny yeah. little nude boy, was he? No, no. he was. That'd be, that, I don't remember that part <laughs> no, it's of the like, cartoon. Imagine he's, it's like he's wearing a bodysuit. It'd be great if originally that's how he was drawn and the whole <laughs> sheet thing came up from a sensor. Yeah. Like he was always drawn as this. Like, <laughs> just, no, he died. <laughs> you, can't, you 
you cannot keep he died sending in the, us. He died in the shower. You cannot keep sending us pictures of boys, of naked boys. I'm so sorry. We love everything else about this, but you, I'm telling you. And every time he sends it in, full detail, <laughs> yeah. like veins and all sorts of things, like incredible detail, and they just whitewash it and cover it up. And he, Can you just erase Casper's dick. Yeah, I don't know how many times you have to tell. Well, he Alan now. Moore style refuses to watch the show. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's how you do the Harold Ramish thing is you say he died because I think he's got to be old enough that he had grandkids because that's yeah. his grandkids who have, mm. have moved into this new house. So that could be 20 years ago, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah, I guess it could. I mean, how old? Like, he'd be like 70 if he was alive today or late 60s, right? So he could have been a grandpa in his he's 40s. Probably, probably in his 70s, yeah, like yeah, 60s or 70s. Yeah, so that makes sense. And that way you can, I can't think of the last film he acted in, but you could probably just grab some footage of him. You know, from or the, could you get a Ramus lookalike? Would you? What if? Oh, what if like Ice Cube style, the son of, you know, Harold, Harold Ramus? All right, yeah, w- w- yeah, looks like Harold Ramus. Yeah. You play Harold Ramus in the film. Yeah, I guess so. I'll just get Ray Romano. <laughs> Don't you reckon it looks a bit? Not quite. If you merge Scott and Ray Romano, <laughs> you get Harold Ramus. <laughs> um. So what do, what do you think, the if you were going to speculate the on the plot of it, what do you think from what you've seen from the well, trailer? from the trailer. So the trailer yep. is Egon's daughter yep. and her kids. So Egon's grandkids move into a house where they, they move to a small town where there's some kind of ghostly activity happening. Yep. And then they find his hidden workshop where he's got all the proton packs and stuff. So um, the kids... Uh, become Ghostbusters. <laughs> That's what I think will happen is that they all... Solve the mystery and save the town by you know yeah, but you following the clues. That but you think it's going to be from the perspective of the kids, basically. Like, well, who else could it be from? Well, that's uh, yes, but that makes it a very different film. Yes, is what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, and I don't think I, don't, I know that you had a problem, Charlie, with women female. busting ghosts. <laughs> so, how do you feel about, about children busting ghosts? Because uh, is busting ghosts children's work is what I'm saying. If you live yes. in a world where you won't even allow a lady to bust a ghost, <laughs> how I, do you feel about children busting ghosts? I think it is a sign of where we culturally we are 30 years later. That a film with that subject matter like, will be targeted more towards kids. Because you watch the original Ghostbusters and it's not necessarily... Right. Like a kid's film, like they're smoking in it. There's joke, you know, this man has no dick. There's all these kind of stuff. Like it's much more of an adult kind of comedy. But thinking about what uh, movies are getting made these days, studio films, in order to get that mass market, it's got to be PG. Stranger Things, you know, they bought themselves some insurance by casting that kid. He's in everything at the moment, that little Finn Wolfhard. Yeah. Is that his name? Oh. Finn Wolfhard or Win Fulfard? <laughs> Win Fulfard <laughs> is his name, yes. Win Fulfard. Yeah. Win Fulfard. Uh, yeah. They obviously looked at the Stranger Things thing and said, okay, let's let's get some of that magic. And I reckon it will not, I won't enjoy it. Hey, we like Stranger Things, kid. You know what we also like? You know what's strange? 
Ghosts. Ghosts are strange. You want to bust some ghosts? Did you see the second It, It Part 2? Oh, my God. Yeah, sorry. Shit. So bad. Never Everything that was been. good about the first Everything one. Everything that was good about the they first one, it. they ruined in the second one. It is one of the worst films I have ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. And I loved endless. the first one. Oh, endless. It goes so long. Yeah, and no amount of you winking at the fucking camera and joking about the fact that Stephen King can't do endings is going to make me forgive the fact that this film has a terrible fucking ending. Yeah. Like, they reference that. That joke is referenced about three times in this film about how, you know, Stephen King can't do fucking endings and everyone can't do fucking endings. And then the movie... That would be a funny payoff if this movie nailed a fucking ending, but instead it has 50 fucking endings. Yeah. The last 45 minutes is just some CGI. The thing that worked about the first one is that, you know, Pennywise the Clown is kind of actually scary if it's just a clown, like luring kids, you know, into it, like a sewer. That's kind of scary. But mm. when it all becomes weird CGI, like there's that scene where um, he's, you know. Paul Bunyan? It, the, Paul Bunyan? No, the, yeah. I was going to say flashing back to the, when he has to drown his brother. Yeah. he's drowning his brother, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, if they'd stayed as kids, that's a horrifying scene. Yeah. Like, yeah, having to kind of drown his kid. Like, yeah, that's mm. horrifying. But because it then flashes the CGI in that moment, you're like, oh, well, there's no stakes in this at all now. You've well, just completely it, taken away every bit of... Well, you get the feeling the producers of that film felt the same as the producers of Ghostbusters, which are like, oh, people like this Stranger Things kind of thing. So let's cram some more. Because the original idea, I thought, was it was going to be set in the 1980s, first film, and then them as grown-ups. Which to me would have made so much more sense and just cut like an hour of running time out of the film if you just stuck with the adults. But we kept flushing back to the Stranger Things kids. Yeah, we remember the first film. It's like, oh my we God. We watched it. You made it and we watched it. If we needed to rem remember it, we could just watch the first film again yeah. and then watch the second film. You don't have to put all this ridiculous and just so like, okay, on, on a purely. <laughs> And I know this is probably a Stephen King issue as well, but just from a purely <laughs> life perspective. Yes. These kids were traumatized by this clown. But you look at them. One's a hugely successful stand-up comedian. One's a hugely successful writer. Get over it. One's like, <laughs> it, this has been good for them. You were like, never has a small town had oh. that high rate of success in regard to <laughs> producing superstars in their particular industries. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's doing great. Yeah. You should be going back to Derry to pat Pennywise on the fucking back <laughs> and thank him for the fucking kick up the arse you needed as a kid. You'd still be like Mike hanging out in fucking Derry if it weren't for fucking Pennywise scaring the shit out of you. Like, they've all done great. What yeah. are you bitching about? Your life's fine. Yeah, Jem was about, I think she was close to eight months pregnant mm. when we went to see it. And to sit in that little cinema seat with a full belly and a full bladder with this fucking film that is so boring. So boring. <laughs> like, not scary at all and just so boring. And God, it just I just remember when they set up, you know, for, that's, for no reason, we all have to wander off. And what was the mission? Uh, go to your memories or find a talisman or some shit. Everyone has to go off on their own journey, Firstly, essentially. they just yada, yada, yada <laughs> the fact that they needed to find a fucking talisman. Yeah. Like, suddenly, was it Mike who knew that they needed to find a talisman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How? No explanation of that. Yeah. Could have taken an hour and a half of the pointless shit no, to put the movie out. No, no, no. He Did they not? I thought when they went to the Native American thing, 
because he'd done his research yeah. and there was a comet that landed in the Native Americans. I thought that's where they got the information about you all. Everyone has to bring a talisman. Yeah, but like, again, like... It is yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then, yeah, the idea that they all had to split up oh, for but as soon convenience as, reasons. As soon as like they did the first one, yeah. I was like, oh god there's gonna be five more of these i can't right. believe it can we just pick the two more most interesting characters and then just have a scene where they're like whoo i had a big scary adventure don't worry about it <laughs> we've already been going for two hours let's just let's get to the spider fight like i was just i was and like, the this spider is, fight oh god like what are the here's what i'm going to tell you why did he have a clown's head penny spider big spider well, pennywise it whatever the fuck yeah the monster the alien whatever it is Right. Interdimensional. Yeah, being. Does not want to kill them. Because... He could. Endless opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> like, and... Yeah, what but he doesn't... He they, Well, that's the other thing. Pennywise's yeah. powers are so ill-defined. Yeah. And there is this random thing of... Sometimes he has the capacity to... I like, need to scare you because your fear yeah. tastes good. Yeah. But then sometimes he doesn't marinate with a bit of fear first. Like yeah. he just goes... I'm the, just not feeling yeah. like fear today. <laughs> like I thought you wanted... I had a lot of fear yesterday. Oh, yeah, right. I Four bit bloated. I'm full. <laughs> Man can't live on... A clown can't live on fear alone. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, Maybe fear is like a sugar rush to but him. But then... Like he's just like, oh, I've got to have some fear. And then he gets like a fear. He's but like, don't you Ugh. love the ultimate message of the film mm. is... To overcome childhood trauma, you just bully the person who bullied you. Right. <laughs> Make fun of him. Body shame him. Like, and that when they're hiding and he's down and they and it can't get through the gutter, but then at other stages can shape shift into pretty Anything. much whatever it wants to be. Yeah. So why is it being? It just didn't make any sense. No. And for no particularly good reason. Like even okay, this is this is not an error in filmmaking necessarily mm. or storytelling necessarily, but something that offended me particularly because of my chosen profession was that uh, the Bill Hader, cause I love Bill Hader too. And he's awesome. And Barry fantastic. He is in this movie. He's kind of okay. Yeah. Because Bill Hader is also always okay. But most of the time when I was watching him, I wasn't going, this character is convincing or interesting. I was just going, Oh, Bill Hader's good, isn't he? Yeah. You know, so Bill Hader, uh, when, when he's you know, stand-up comedian characters doing that big gig when he first Richie. finds out, right? Richie, okay. Beat, so, beat, Richie. Okay. So there's two parts of that that annoyed the shit out of me. Firstly is, he forgets like one line of his set and somebody in this like 3,000 <laughs> seat fucking theatre where you've obviously paid like 70, 80 bucks a head to come and see this guy that you love, he misses one line... <laughs> And people, someone yells out, you're not funny or whatever, right? <laughs> I'm like, that would never fucking happen. He could bomb for 10. I've seen international stars bomb for 20 minutes in a row and the audience just lap it all up and go, this is brilliant. <laughs> Eddie Izzard brought notes out on stage one year when he was trialling some new material and people thought it was the greatest thing they'd ever seen in their entire life. The idea that this internationally renowned comedian would forget one line and somebody would be like, you suck, <laughs> would not fucking happen. Annoyed this shit out of me. But also, the fact that that artificially contrived, and again, I know that you're telling a story and it's a movie and whatever, but the idea that they're rushing him to stage to start that show, there's no support. He doesn't get in introduced by a support act. So there's no rush to get him onto the fucking stage. 
He doesn't need to go live at 8.01. It is fucking fine. He's just spewed. Give him five minutes. The audience will wait. He's a big fucking star. Everything's going to be fine. Oh the show starts when he walks out. You don't have to have this like artificial... Mr. Anderson, we understand you're upset. Could you please leave the cinema so everyone can enjoy the rest of the it movie? It makes no sense. He's just vomited. He's the star of the show. They'd be like, hey, do you need five minutes? You know what? We'll delay the show for five minutes. Go on, wash out your mouth because it's probably not great to do a comedy show for 90 minutes with your mouth full of spew. So why don't you go and take five, have a mint, and then we'll get you out on stage when you're ready. Speaking of mouth full of spew, how jarring is that moment with uh, the little nerdy guy, the, the, the one who's like a germaphobe, with the leper? And it spews into his mouth out of nowhere. It's like this into this scary scene. And then it spews into his mouth, and then they play like some funny song. It's like some ironic. I was going, what the fuck is going on here? Is anyone in control of this? It's like the movie turned into the Suicide Squad trailer. Yes, that's what it felt like. I was like, what are you doing now? Yeah, like, I don't think they knew. Like, because it wasn't a consistent thing that they were doing at any stage in the rest of the film. Yeah, it was just like this glitch in the matrix this aberration you're like what is happening you know what i think the problem was just talking about now it's made me realize is it was a terrible film but what they should should have done is because the reason why the first one works is it's childhood terror and everything's fucking scary Mm. when you're a kid like everyone's bigger than you everyone's scarier than you the world's a dangerous place but that shit when you're a grown-up doesn't work like I, you know, I used to have nightmares as a kid, but if I was in a park and I saw a statue come to life, I'd be like, oh, fuck, someone slips something into my drink. My immediate thought wouldn't be, you know, I think you'd just approach it differently. I think what they needed to do was just go with a harder edge. I understand the problem is the first film's a theme park ride. It's a ghost train. You're not going to suddenly shift into like Lars von Trier, like harrowing psychodrama, but that's the way I think you make it work, right? At least a horror film more like Hereditary or like something that's just a bit more cerebral. You know what I mean? You'd never do it. But to me, that is the way you make it work. You've got to shift the gears, the types of film now. One is a film that scares kids that you watch at a slumber party back when people used to get together and watch movies. <laughs> that's the first film. But the second one, because they're adults now, don't show more balloons and fucking spiders. And I mean, that witch, the big wobbly witch, like... You know, when, uh, what's her face, redhead, Jessica Chastain goes back to that apartment and the big wobbly witch comes down. I was like, this is hilarious. That looks like a, a like a Jim Henson creature from Labyrinth. Well, that's it. They're not actually addressing things that adults are scared of. It no. It should be like, you know, their mortgage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking in yeah. social situations. Housing affordability. Yeah. <laughs> Falling in love. Yeah. Being divorced. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's what it should have been. Just like a really heavy Lars von Trier like dogma style <laughs> film it's just about the pointlessness of life you know well I you could have you know what's the lead character's name will is it the, yeah. the writer and he's like uh he's he, he's like a he's a multi-millionaire writer but what has his success brought him has never really made a true friend since the losers he's trapped by his own success forced to pump out shit like it too <laughs> so yeah i was gonna say like so again a brilliant writer, this guy who's good at, you know, communicating messages. So tell me then about that fucking scene when he's yelling at that kid. You know, when like it, there's that the neighborhood kid. Who, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like, don't and ride he's like, near the gutters or something. Yeah, but he just yells at his child, <laughs> like in a restaurant. Like, do you think that's the most effective way to communicate fear to that child? It is not. 
there, there could be a rational way of you explaining rather than yelling at the kid have a rational conversation with his parents. <laughs> just there. Just there. Why don't you just have a chat with them about the dangers of the town rather than just yelling at their child in a restaurant? So how does that conversation go? If you, if I was the parent of a child and you had to warn me about it, Pennywise, how would the conversation go? I'm just eating my dinner with my wife and you walk up. Uh, excuse me. Um, Hello. Uh, my name's uh, Will. I'm a famous author. You might have read my books. Um no, I would say um, I used to live in this town and uh, yeah. you might know that it has a bit of a dark history. There was a... Oh, yeah, there's a fire uh, yeah, a while And children back. were disappearing and... Um, what? Children were, <laughs> children were disappearing. I didn't know that. You did not know the history of this town? The no. children were disappearing? Well, there was. And um, unfortunately, uh, we suspect... Uh, I, I've been in consultation with some local people and the authorities and we suspect that... Uh, there may be a re-emergence of that at the moment. A so re-emergence of what? Sorry, of children disappearing. Who's taking the children? We th- we don't know. We don't know. Hey, why are you laughing? <laughs> well, if I we don't know. I'm sorry. What is your name again? <laughs> Will. 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 The famous author. Okay. Um, to talk to my wife. Yeah. Uh, can you guys just Google me? Go Google speak, me. Speak to the Google manager. Will. I think you need to call the police. Famous author. <laughs> <laughs> Look. Don't um, make me yell at your job. <laughs> we don't have we don't have any money or drugs on us. No, no, I, I'm I'm actually serious. I just would say, um, if you could be a little careful with your kids out in public at the moment, there's. Uh, being what some, am I looking for? I don't understand. Uh, any anything suspicious? What What does that mean? You look. You're scaring my wife and my child. Well, I'm glad that you are scared because this is a very serious matter. Who are you? My name, I believe, I've told you this before, is Will Famous Author. <laughs> you've Googled me, you've seen... I think my point being, Will, yeah. <laughs> maybe yelling at a kid is the easiest thing to do. Easiest. I'm waiting for you to get to the point where you tell the dad that there's a fucking killer clown living in I'm the drain. Just, I'm, I'm a little bit more worried about the fact that you as a parent don't want to hear this warning about danger coming towards if your a child. Guy, if a complete stranger came up to me and said, hey, your kid should watch his back out there, it's dangerous. <laughs> I didn't say it like that. I said, <laughs> I explained in a very rational way. That you were very vague. It would it, That would set up more red flags. I'd be more worried about you than any danger in the street you came up and gave me a vague description okay. of a threat give me a, a second go okay <laughs> <laughs> take two excuse okay. me sir yes um, hello i know this might seem like a weird thing to say but uh at the moment there's been some reports of kids going missing around town so i oh just wanted goodness. to let you know uh so that you could keep a extra special eye on your kids okay um, Thank uh, you. Really nice to meet you. I don't want to take any more of your time tonight. But Sorry, I just, just uh, to... before you go, when yeah. you say uh, kids disappearing, yeah, I'll just I'm just going to step away for a second. Yeah. I'm just talking to my family. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> acting. Uh, so when you say kids disappearing, yes. what are we talking about? Is there being like kidnappings? Well, kids have disappeared. Are they missing missing kids is at this, the moment. Is, but... I haven't seen anything in the news about this. Yeah, that's what's worrying people. They don't know if they're missing at the moment. They've run away, or or they might have been taken. So we're just asking people be. Especially careful at the moment, just okay. in case. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I just, just it's out of curiosity. Why'd you come up to my table? Oh, I, I met your kid earlier in the day during in the street. He never mentioned that. Oh well, you can ask him. He was out skateboarding, and I just saw that he was out by himself, and I just right. thought I'd alert you, considering what's going on in the town. The okay, moment. so you often just approach kids in the street? And... Oh, I was here with my friends. My friends over here. What did you say your name was again? Will. 
Okay, you're not you're not convincing me. I got to be honest. I still reckon yelling at the kid might be the most effective solution because you couldn't see, but I had my hand in my pocket and I was texting my wife to call the police. Okay, give me one more go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Okay. Okay. Can butcher it out. All right. Okay. All right. Hello, sir. Hello. Uh, my name's uh, Will Famous Author. Uh, used to live here in town. Oh, great. I uh, hope you guys are having a great night tonight. Yeah, it's beautiful. I certainly don't want to disturb your family dinner, but... Um, How can I help? Uh, uh, we're just new back in town and we heard today about uh, a few warnings that um, kids have been going missing. So we just wanted to give you what? a heads up to uh, let you know that that was going on in this situation. No need to be alarmed, but... Um, we. What do you say? Kids have been going missing, like as in, well, well, I didn't see anything in the paper or anything like that. What are you talking about, mate? There is a fucking killer clown <laughs> in the fucking sewer, and he can turn into anything, <laughs> like a spider and whatever you're afraid of. You'll fucking make it happen. In fact, I think what's been happening for the last ten minutes is a fucking thing by him, because this is what I'm afraid of: <laughs> confronting strangers and trying to warn them. I yelled at you kid earlier, and it didn't fucking work. So I tried this. It's a clown. Watch out for balloons. <laughs> It floats. <laughs> well, that yeah, you made your point yeah, there. I think right. that's the I think that's the way you got to do it. <sighs> all right. <laughs> what time is it? How long are we um, Oh well, we should um, start to finish probably. We're, okay. Um, well, let's do, well, let's do some letters. Yeah, let's do some letters. Okay. Yeah. All right. You get the letters. That, that's an hour. Right. Okay. All right. We're gonna read some. The letters. casting was good. I would say the casting was good. It was yeah, like they. they it was like they got the casting right and then just went. Oh, we're done. Yeah. Uh, okay, this is from uh, Andre. Hey, Tofop. Lathe Info. Hey, fellas. I was in my workshop yesterday creating some steel sculpture while listening to your discussion about lathes, and it prompted me to get in touch. We keep them lathing. No, we keep them laughing so they can keep You keep them lathing. Lathing, yeah. Uh, I can't believe you missed the perfect pun. Maybe you're just being a bit lathy. Oh, by the way, uh, who would have thought the person who's the lather knows uh, all the lather puns? <laughs> I wonder how many father and son listeners you have. Don't you mean a lather and son? No. <laughs> My son Tal and I, Tal, 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 and I bond over your podcast, all of them, and have been to a few live recordings together. Oh, father and son combo. I like it. Bridging generations. Exactly. Which means we've been on air way too long. <laughs> No, I like that. I, I, I've had a lot of that at my shows recently, people coming with their parents and they're now at the age where, you know, in that sort of 15 to 20 where you'll still go out with your parents. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's like, I always like to ask, I'm like, who's the fan? And I'm getting a bit of, oh, no, we both are. And I'm like, ah, oh, uh-huh. look at that. I've still got some time left to squeeze out of this. I might not have to get another job. Uh, could be an advertising line in there somewhere, maybe. Anyway, keep up the great work and I will keep listening. Thanks, Andre. Where was the lathe pun? Um, I don't know. I can't believe you missed the perfect pun. Maybe you're just being lazy. Hmm. Maybe that was the perfect pun. That's making sense. We keep them laughing so that you keep them lathing. Maybe we didn't. Did we say not that. say lathe? Oh, anyway. I don't know. Thanks to your uh, email, Andre. Anyway, it was nice to <laughs> big shout out to Andre and Tell. Greta writes in. Okay. Hey, Tofop. Just save have... the environment. <laughs> you're ruining you my ruining, planet. Yeah. You talk about economic fairy tales. 
Perpetual growth. Oh, hang on, wait a minute. We it'd don't make be, any money from this show. Great. It'd be great if that's what Greta Thunberg is doing now. She's just like, you Email know what? The podcast. I've spoken at the UN. I've sold my boat to America. I've gone to Davos. I've got to get into that Casper mattress <laughs> audience. What a win myself a sticker pack. Uh, hey, Tofop. Just having a Christmas period debate about politics with my in-laws and how much public figures were politically aligned, etc. Somehow Will came up and my husband said Will was left-leaning. My brother-in-law said, of course he's left-leaning. He only has one leg. <laughs> my explaining that Will was not Adam Hills was welcome levity in an otherwise heated discussion. <laughs> I, I don't know which of his feet Adam Hills is missing either from memory, so I don't know if he's left-leaning or right-leaning <laughs> technically, but uh, yes, I am not Adam Hills. Trent writes in, subject, stubby coolers. Hey, Tofop. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Trent. Been catching up on all the episodes recently, and I think you've done a brilliant job raising money for the fires. Huh. Good to let people know we're $1,500 away from cracking 100000 raised for bushfire relief. Yeah, we've, look, it's fair to say that we have not sprinted to the 100000 No, it's been a slow night. Nervous 90s. <laughs> it's been, yeah, it's very very much like a test cricketer trying yeah. to make his first 100. He's <laughs> spending two Shakily. hours. Shakily. Just nicking him through slips <laughs> on the way to 100. It's very tofop. Don't let us get run out on 99. It's very tofop that we asked for 5000 that we've got easily got 95,000, but that last 5,000, the 5,000 yeah. that we wanted in the first place. That's how that's, we sell tickets to a live show. Yeah. When we sell tickets to a live show, we yeah. get like 70% sold out real quick. This and then it's great. like, oh, God damn it. Like, oh, <laughs> that's how, that it? That that's, was everyone. That's how popular we are. We can see, we can judge it by numbers. Um, I've been catching up on the episodes. Great job raising money. Oh, yeah, so the GoFundMe, it's still open. Uh, if you go to tofop.com, there's a link that'll take you straight there. People have been donating every day. I've been there checking are at each least 1,500 people who listen to this podcast. Yeah. Many more, but let's just who say, haven't donated for the sake anything of this, yet. who have not donated anything, if you each donate $1, we'll get to 100000 Do it. Was just wanting to let you know I would buy several stubby coolers if you were to make some. I don't have a need for a shower curtain. Awesome, though. And I'm pretty low-key with the T-shirts I wear. <laughs> now, is that more of a slap to James Fosdyke or to us? Well, no, no. Maybe, like, there's a point in your life sometimes where you just, you go beyond logoed T-shirts. I go through phases with T-shirts, like, where I get quite obsessed about, like, novelty kind of T. Like, at the moment, I'm loving buying vintage wrestling tees. Mm. And I'll just buy, like, three or four of them. And it's like, um, maybe we'll wear them a couple of times. But it really, it's just like... Just it's just it's just uh, scratching that collector itch that I have. It's like oh, this is like a twenty dollar purchase here, a twenty dollar purchase there, and it makes me feel like I'm young again. Oh, you totally have turned into a dad. Yeah, basically you're just buying clothes that at some stage your daughter can turn to you and go, oh, dad, <laughs> or turn into a cool like rock t-shirt, oh, like, yeah. cutting the sleeves off. Yeah, that's there. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hang on, is that my wrestling thing that you've made into a dress? <laughs> uh, keep up. Keep it up in 2020. We will. Matt writes in, hey, Tofop, hey, Charlie and Will. Long-time listener, first time, Tofop responder. Thanks for mobilizing your Tofop army to support fire recovery efforts. It is important to remember how lucky we are and it is a privilege to help our mates. And then he's written, I am, you are, we are Australian. It is nice though. It's been one of the great things about what has happened has been the collective action by people to help other people. And without thinking and without resentment it's been very nice to see and it shows us what we are at our best yeah. i actually do think that has been the i mean you you would 
wish that you don't need to have a tragedy like this for people to show that sort of mm. yeah compassion for each other but you know you speak about left leaning or right leaning the, those people fighting the fires weren't you know going you go and fight the fires with that like liberal party group over there and you go and fight the fires with that you know green group over there they're mm. just people of the community standing side by side helping each other out and you know, all these events, all these people raising money haven't asked, you know, which political side is this about or whatever. They've just been helping people. It's mm. been very cool. I did read something online that I thought was fairly appropriate with her. Like, it's interesting in a country in which arts funding is constantly being slashed and downsized that the first people to kind of get into fundraising efforts have been the musicians and yeah. comedians and creatives. Yeah. Well, next year, the bushfire victims are going to do fundraisers for the arts. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of people from Malacoota are going to do a GoFundMe for us. <laughs> Anyhow, random question time. Uh, like Groundhog Day, if each of you could repeat one day over and over, what would it be, from your lives, what would it be? Well, that's a really good question. Second part to that question, and what lesson would you learn from it? Keep up the laughs, Matt. It's actually a really good question. Groundhog Day style. You can have the day over and over until you get it right. Wow. So I guess the question is, do you want to just relive a day that was... Amazing, but that's amazing, not really, but that's, that's not, the not point. really Groundhog Day. It's more about not fixing something. If you could of, go back and fix yeah. one thing in your life by reliving that day, what would it be? I mean, it'd want to be it'd want to be an existence that was comfortable. Yeah, you like, don't you don't be such a tragic day in your life that you have to be tormented by. Yeah, but I'm thinking the worst day of your life a thousand days in a row. But I'm also thinking like weather, location. You know? yeah. <laughs> like if I had any kind of crisis that happened in Byron Bay, I'd be like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just fine. repeat that day. Yeah, exactly. It's much better than like windy, cold Melbourne in the, you know, the dead of winter. Yeah, I was gonna say it's certainly one of the places I toured to in America that had legal weed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, could you make it just like a minor problem? It's like, yeah. oh, we yeah. ate at that restaurant. We didn't quite enjoy yeah. it. Uh, and so I'm just going to relive that day. And I'll eat that restaurant a few more times. And then when I get bored of it, I'll just eat at the right restaurant. And then well, that solves it's, that it's problem. Well, it's more about the idea of you, like really Groundhog Day is less about fixing something and more about a process of self-improvement, isn't yeah. it? So you've got to find the, the point in your life where perhaps you were going off the tracks the most mm. and then like kind of live that day until you become your best self so when were you do you think at a point in your life where you're like oh i am the least like the person that i want to be or the person that i am now and then how do you have that day or that time over i think that perhaps the period between when i finished university and mm. when i started doing comedy yeah I think there was a period there where I was incredibly unhappy and very lost in my life mm. and probably just, you know, doing a whole bunch of things that I, you know, would was doing because you have You're to unhappy. do something and you didn't really know, yeah. you know, what life was about. I think that would have been a good time in my life where I was young enough to learn how to do new things. Because I'm also thinking in a practical sense, once I'm out of Groundhog Day, I get to have the rest of my life, right? Yeah, yeah. Because that's the interesting thing about Bill Murray. Can Bill Murray now, when he goes back out of Groundhog Day, like not only has he like learnt how to you know be a good guy and play and, the piano, but can he play the piano now? Yeah, I see. Yeah. So it's like it's just he was in a he was stuck yeah. in a time stasis and now it moves forward. So yeah, yeah. So really, what I want to do is just get trapped in that at a point in my life where I can learn a whole bunch of things and then still have enough life left to yeah. institute those things. I saw a similar hypothetical online where someone was like, "Would you rather uh, go back?" 10 years with the knowledge that you have now and do those 10 years again or would you rather just get 10 million dollars now 
<laughs> no strings attached. Wow. Um, so, okay. So, ten, 10 years back now and get yeah. to do them again. Yeah. But with the, with knowledge. the knowledge that I have now yeah. versus $10 million now. Yeah, so theoretically, you could go back and bet on every grand final and, you know, Biff Tannen style, make your fortune, easily make that $10 million back. Well, I don't even need that in this scenario. So let's say the hypothetical is only what I know now about my life and yeah. my work and what I could do. Yeah. Um, okay, so what about the condition is you can't bet on sporting yeah. events? You can build a business or whatever, but you can't use the knowledge to affect like sporting events, gambling. 100% I would go But you can build app, like a, an iPod or something. Yeah, I would not. Yeah. I would still do what I was doing, but do it better. Yeah. So yeah, I'd, I'd take the... You'd take the 10 I'd years? I'd take the do-over. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. And I'd back myself to make 10 million bucks off the knowledge that I... What you have would now. Would take back. Yeah. 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 It's a show stood in an office. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's called Manet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, if you want to support the show, Patreon is the best way to do that. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Tofop. Uh, there's some bonus content. We just put up a new Everyone Relax. Uh, James Fosdyke actually done three two panels. strips. And he did three panels. Three panels. Congrats, Foz. Um, he's been drawing up a storm. There's two new strips up on uh, the Patreon right now. There's some full episodes that were recorded uh, back before the new year. And there's a bunch of other bonus content. So that's what you can do if you want to support us. We had 15 new subscribers sign up this week oh okay great. so that's good yeah welcome aboard yeah you subscribers yep that's how we pay the bills yeah and you also need to pay the bills by uh, going on stand-up tour so uh brunswick heads is the next place i'm at doing my will inform show uh and then after that i will be uh off to the adelaide fringe festival two weeks there doing will informed as well melbourne comedy festival and doing two weeks of will eagle and two weeks of my improvised shows what are you talking about will so 10 shows uh, every show completely different so come along and see that did 10 of them in sydney loved it had a great time and a big shout out to all the newer comedians who did support for me up at the sydney comedy store they all did an amazing job and Australian comedy uh, has a very exciting future ahead of it. Uh, and I just want to plug my other podcast I do with Osher Ginsberg, Dad Pod. Uh, this week, Yumi Steins, our first ever mum dad, was on the show. Uh, we talk about Ayanna had her first like full, not like a tantrum, but like a meltdown. Um, and I had to deal with it. And I've been, well, I've been taking it all my stride so far. I thought I was doing a good job. Yeah. But then a person that you cannot reason with cannot explain things to has a meltdown yeah. and it really set me back on my heels so hear all about that on this week's dad pod and i feel like you took it out on me and a little bit of improvisation <laughs> the movie hit i feel uh, like you were i own <laughs> to, to my reasonable charlie <laughs> who was just trying to express to you that you should look after your children but you would not be reasoned with so no, mate i just don't want a guy to come up and tell me about a murderous clown living in the gutters <laughs> would you prefer how not strange to know? would you prefer not to know <laughs> I guess you would. I think Maybe I would. you would prefer not to know. Yeah. yeah. I'm Charlie Clawson. <laughs> I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.